Paul reminds us in Romans 15:4 that the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning and for our admonition, that we, through the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. We see that as we read through the Scriptures and have an understanding of what it is that God has done and is doing for us as His people. One of the things we quickly learn along the way is that it is not our circumstances that determine our relationship or our circumstances that determine our happiness or joy, but it is our relationship that we have with God that makes a life here worth the living. We had been studying in our auditorium class on Sunday morning out of 2 Corinthians, and we've been looking in chapter 12, and I've talked about it. You look at chapters 10, 11, and 12 of 2 Corinthians, as well as chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, and you catch a glimpse a little bit about circumstances, and they're not being the key factor for a relationship or for a joy or a trust that we have in God. Our faith, our hope, our trust is in God, despite the circumstances that we may encounter. The writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, that great chapter on faith, reminds us there in that chapter, the first 34 verses are fine, half of verse 35, because all of the characters that are mentioned have positive results taking place in their life. But you read verse 35 of Hebrews 11 through the remainder of the chapter, and you find out a lot of them did not have that pleasantly, that pleasant life here on this earth. Some were persecuted, killed, slaughtered, driven out into the desert in one thing or another, hunger and thirsting. But God was not ashamed to be called their God. And he was not ashamed to own them and to recognize them, and indeed in time to reward them. Jesus reminds us that they persecuted him, so we ought not to be surprised if they persecute us. That is a part of the life that indeed we live along the way. Do we trust him? We live again in a time frame, a beginning of days and an end of days. We live in a time frame that in which we have personal feelings, emotions. We, excuse me, we react to situations in a physical sense oftentimes. And at times we need to be reminded to stop and to reflect for a moment and to look also beyond this physical realm in which we live and catch a glimpse of again of that love of God. He is working in our life. He's accomplishing his will through the things that we go through, not only for us, but also for those who would follow us and follow his will down through their life. James reminds us again that our life is a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. And that's our, a quick reminder to us as we look at life and see things of how quickly life changes And how quickly things are gone before we know that. I'm trying to encourage individuals to enjoy life where you're at. You never know what changes will take place and what will come down the pike. But also to remind us 
We need to put a faith and we need to put a trust in God. David is described as a man after God's own heart. We know the life of David from reading in the old scriptures and reading in the new as well. That he had a difficult life from the physical point of view, if you would. He allowed things in the physical realm to distract him from where he ought to be, transgressed against God. When confronted, was willing to repent and to return to God. But consequences that follow that transgression and the acts that follow that as well were devastating. And as a result, his family was at turmoil with one another. Nations around them were at turmoils with them. And David had to find a source of comfort that he needed within his life. And that is found again as you read many of the Psalms that David wrote, many of them either immediately following his transgression. Psalm 51, for example, would be a good Psalm to look at. But also Psalm 3 and Psalm 4. As you look at those and you catch a little bit about what you're facing. In, chapter, in Psalm 3, basically, he is fleeing from his Absalom, his son. As we go into 4 a little bit, he's writing continuation of that. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Again, you have to read the scriptures to see a little bit more about what he's talking about. Absalom pursuing his life, his son, the things that he had done and what's involved in that, friends betraying him, being separated from his family, so having hardship in his family, war and, 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 and so forth. Where do you go to find relief? Sometimes we forget where we need to go. And, and David is saying, hear me when I call. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. The song we sing, where could I go but to the Lord? How many times do we need that in our lives? How many times do we strive to battle it ourselves? Strive to work out the difficulties and the hardships? The setbacks, the animosities, and flustered at every turn. Where could I go but to the Lord? Beg for mercy and to hear his, pray, hear his prayers. How long, O oh, you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness? And seek falsehood. Not allow him to even enjoy that relationship that he had and how much more he needed it with God throughout his life. And again, as the scriptures remind us, both Old and New Testament, David is that man after God's own heart. Described before his transgressions, described after his transgressions. He was willing to change and to repent when required. 
But he also had to still deal. And that's sometimes what we have to work with in our lives. We can be granted the repentance from God. We can be granted the forgiveness from God. But that does not necessarily mean that those that we're associated with will grant the same privileges to us. Sometimes they will continue to pursue. And he's asking, how long? How long is this going to be? Again, we live in the time frame. Beginning of days and end of days. We have that tendency to determine whatever it is by a length of time. We prefer quick illnesses. We prefer quick recoveries. Do not prefer long-lasting ones, lifelong lasting ones. And bitterness that we have within families. And sometimes that's the hard part. It's hard at times to have those loved ones. Hard at times to see a world. It's easy to cry over the loved ones, isn't it? To know that they're lost and have no hope. It hurts. But does it, does it not also hurt? To see the lost, period, who have no hope and have nowhere and do not know where to turn unless they be shown the way. But we battle the loved ones more than we do the others, but they're just as important. Their souls is just as precious as those of the family. But we get beaten down so many times. Live in a family where the two forbidden items are well stressed. You do not discuss politics and you do not discuss religion. And they very clearly, very plainly will let you know. It's always been interesting to me though when I hear the one who says we do not discuss religion in this household. That he'd be the one who'd bring it up. Which, again, but it, the hurt is there. To, to see loved ones pass into eternity with a false knowledge of God and a false knowledge of Jesus, a false knowledge of what constitutes salvation. And to have those other family members that are pleased to believe they're okay. You get to live with that. Where do you go? Where do you find relief? Where do you go to find a perspective? David's saying, hear my prayers, God. Let me petition you. David's problems would not be solved within his lifetime. In fact, there'd be further discussion and further division. Solomon would be told because some of his actions that his kingdom was no longer staying united, that it would be divided. 
But he says, because of your father David. And you need to read about those passages. They're interesting passages. God is going to deal out his punishment for the wickedness in his time frame. But so many times, or several times, he refrained from doing it. In Solomon's day, because of his father David. But a time would come when the consequences of sin would bear its fruit. And God would still be there. And that's a factor for us. That any time they were willing to change, any time they were willing to turn, God would be there. They seem to follow generation cycles. 40 years of serving God, 40 years of not serving God, 40 years of serving God, 40 years of not serving God. And that reminder again, it's not the time frames that are the difference. It's the hearts that make the difference. And God works with humanity, not a specific generation. His concern is for humanity, starting with Adam, until times will cease to be. His concern is for the souls of mankind, starting with Adam, and going to the last time when this world ceases to be. And he's made that plan and that plan of redemption. Planned it before he created man, executed in man's lifetime. And at the end of that lifetime of mankind, there are rewards that will be given. The reward for the righteous and the reward for the wicked. And those are eternal. So he encourages us in the time that we have to do the things that are right. Why do you turn my glory to shame? And how long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? We're in that time of year. Whether you listen or whether you want to sometimes or not, or get on before you can change the channel. According to what I hear, what I read, an unsolicited mail that comes to the house, and to a degree I believe it's true, there's not an honest politician out there. Depending on what side you're talking to, this one is crook, this one is doing wrong, and then that guy come over and he's crook and he's wrong, this one he's, we'll say this one's a crook and he's wrong. How long will we seek falsehood? To me, a side note, I mean, human beings are the most gullible people I've ever seen. (laughs) I mean, we believe the falsehood of the lies every four years or every two years. When I get in, this is what I am going to do. And we say, yeah, go for it. I'll, I'll support you. And you know they cannot do that, whatever it is. Do some of it, but not all of it. Anyhow, enough of that. But know 
You deal with two. How long will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? But know, know, understand that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. You need to know. You need to have assurance. You need to have conviction that God is able to set apart the godly. We may not ever fully understand it. And again, there's no way that we could. We will not fully understand the workings of God. Song again that God moves in the mysterious ways His wonders to perform. He does things that are beyond our comprehension. Again, he's not working just for us in our time frame. He's working for eternity. He's working for mankind from now on who will be touched by our lives. How many of, how many of us have been touched by the life of David? Or Paul? Or any of the other godly men and women? And they've been gone for thousands of years and they're still touching lives. And those who have gone before, when the Lord promised that he would build a kingdom that would never be destroyed, and how he has kept that promise, again, it's interesting, with all of humanity and all the charges and all the falsehoods out there, God's church has stood since it was established. Plan from eternity to go into eternity. It will stand. He will see his people. And he set apart for himself. Again, that concept. Creator of the universe, all powerful, has set apart. For himself, his people. But for him. It's not just us. As we obey, yes, we save our soul. Yes, when we die, if we're faithful to God, we have eternity with him. But he's setting us apart for himself. One is again to show that Satan is defeated. As Satan tempted Job in Job 1 and 2, there are statements made there by Satan that have an element of truth to them. But that's it. They have an element of truth. They are not true. And the second temptation, remember it was Satan who destroyed the family of Job. What power? Limited by only what God would allow, but what power he had. And the second, Satan made the charge. Yeah, Job is serving you. That's because you've got that hedge around him. But I'm telling you, 
You let me touch his life and all that a man has, he'll give for his life. There is an element of truth in that. We see it every day, do we not? We have foundations established, trying to find cures and cures for whatever it is that's out there. We have those that will give everything that they have to keep the physical life. But Satan was wrong that all a man will do that. Job was one who was not. And those that God has reserved for himself are of the same character as Job. Job says, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. You are not going to spare the physical life eternally. This simply is not going to happen. The physical life is going to come to an end. You may postpone it for a while. You may relieve it for a while. But the physical life is going to die. And then it's that what then? Job says, he can take the life. I will not deny him. I will not curse him. The Lord will hear. Notice the positive again. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Absolutely complete trust that God hears. And he answers. James reminds me he doesn't answer always in the way that I want it because I don't know about you, but I have the tendency to ask for the wrong reasons. I need this, I want that, I would prefer this. I do not like dealing with what I'm having to deal with physically. Please have it removed. We ask for the wrong reasons. But God does answer. And that's what we need to be reminded of in our life. God does answer our prayers. Otherwise, why would we pray? And just that concept of God hearing, the creator of the universe, hearing an individual prayer of one whom he has created is marvelous. Just that thought. The Hebrew writer says, I can boldly approach the throne of grace to find mercy in the time of need. Boldly approach that throne of grace to receive mercy in the time of need. What a concept that he does hear when I call to him. Mine then is one to believe that he does hear when I call. And two is to believe that he does answer when I call. I may not like the time frame. I may not like the answer. Maybe as we looked in Second uh, Corinthians 12 today, that messenger from Satan sent to buffet Paul's body to keep him from exalting himself, that he prayed three times to the Lord that that thorn would be removed. And he was told, 
No. My grace is sufficient for you. And then I love Paul's response. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because you see, when I'm strong, I want to do it. I'm capable of doing it. I'll fight this battle. I will overcome it. But when I'm weak, and whatever it is is greater than I can deal with, then I'm strong. God's grace is there. He gives me what I need. He'll see me through. And as Christians, as we live in this world, doesn't matter the time frame in which we live, but if we live in this world, Christians need to know that he hears when we call and that he answers. Be angry and do not sin. Time to be angry and a time not to be, but be careful to dwell on that anger. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. When we get angry, we want to, we'll settle that score. I know how to take care of that situation. And that's not the righteousness of God. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Quietness. Be still and know that I am the Lord. How many times are we like Elijah? When the Lord is going to speak to him, he goes out to hear the rolling thunder. And I mean, what, what better way to speak than you know, through the thunder? And it's not there. All the ways that he was looking, it wasn't there. But that still voice, small voice, we're looking for the magnitude of whatever it is. We want to see that, you know, blown up answer that God has heard and answering our prayers in a marvelous, fantastic way rather than trusting. He'll work it out. We do our job. Ours is to trust him and do what he's given us to do. Use what talents he's given to us, but he'll work it out. And he'll use us for his glory and for the good of his cause that leads into eternity. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. The sacrifice of righteousness. That's what you give. Give the righteousness. To do the things that are right. Because that is what is right. It controls the life that we live if we're offering those type of sacrifices. And put your trust in him. The Hebrew writer reminds us in Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, The Lord himself has said, I will never forsake you, nor will I ever leave you. If God be for you, what can man do? What can man do? 
Oh, I can think of all kinds of things man can do. And none of them are pleasant. But I forget. I, God said he would never forsake me. Nor would he ever leave me. I cannot extend the physical life. Oh, I can by certain means. But again, it's going to, the physical body's going to die. So what can man do? Jesus said earlier, don't fear him who can kill the body, but not the soul. The one to fear is the one who can destroy both the body and the soul in hell. Don't fear the one who can just touch the body. I, I, that's the one I fear because, see, I, that's the one I see. I can see him coming. Fear the one who can destroy the body. That's not a dread fear. That's a respectful fear. Have respect and have honor for God. Have trust in God. Trust Him that He'll work it out and that He has your best interest at His heart and that is eternity with Him. How will we react to the trials that we have in our life? As we sing the song, Listen to the words that we sing. Hear me, Lord, when I call. Know for one that he does hear. And know for two, you need to remember that. Where is your life this evening? Where is it in the light of the Word of God? If there is a need for you to make a change in your life, that we could assist you, that we could help you in that decision, we encourage you to let that be made known and to come to the front as together we stand and sing. <laughs>